what we're seeing is that the goal is, is to redefine all of the things that we know are biological and even moral absolutes. They want everything to be relative. And so this is really a practice, a secular practice of relativism. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. This is Fearless with Mark and Amber, a husband and wife filmmaking team creating documentary films from a biblical perspective on the tough issues affecting our families and society. You can learn more about our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, by visiting our website, fearlessfeatures.org. We are on a mission to educate, motivate, and inspire others to take a stand for their families and biblical principles and values. I'm Amber Archer, half of your filmmaking team, and joining me as usual is my husband, Sundance Award-winning filmmaker, author, and speaker, Mark Archer. The other half is here. The other half. So if you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, We are working on a new documentary film titled The Mind Polluters. Mark, do you want to tell everybody what The Mind Polluters is all about? So how many times lately, just in the past few weeks, have you looked at a news feed wherever it is, on television, on the internet, and seeing these things happening with the school systems, whether it's Red for Ed or comprehensive sex education, social emotional learning, um, critical race theory, uh, all of these things that just seem to, they, they, they sprout up overnight like weeds in your lawn. Mm-hmm. And you just, you look at it and you think, what in the world is this? What, I don't even understand what all these things are. Who are these people? Where did all of these communists come from? How did they get control of the school boards? What, why are they, you know, the, teaching pornography to students? Well, we wondered the same thing. And we looked at this and we thought, where in the world did this come from? How in the world did it get this bad so quickly? Because it seems like it just happened overnight. And thus was born the film project, The Mind Polluters, which asks the question, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. What is it? How bad is it? Where is it? And what do we do to stop it? And what do we do to stop it? And how many times also have you looked at something like this and thought, somebody ought to make a movie about that? (laughs) Well, here we are. The Lord has sent us, and we have been making a movie about that since last year. Right. And that's what we're here to talk to you about. Right. Because we've been releasing these interviews that we've done since the last fall. How many are we up to now? How many interviews? Interviews. I I think when we're all done, it'll be 13. Yeah. And so we have two more to to collect next Mm -hmm. month, and we can start putting, assembling the movie. Yeah. And, you know, as we get these done, the first thing that we do, I mean, we, we go and we travel literally days at a time to go to these people that we have found that are, that are standing in their purpose and they are in the thick of this battle Mm -hmm. every single day. And our job as filmmakers is to find them and to bring all of their stories together and try to sort it out, comb through it and present it to you, the audience as something clear and concise so that you can understand it Mm -hmm. because there's there is so much there and it's impossible to try to understand all of it all at once Mm -hmm. because what the enemy is very good at doing is overwhelming the system Mm -hmm. and overwhelming your mind and so what we do is we go and we and we get these interviews and the first thing that we do is we sort them out and we share them yeah because it's important that you know 
what is going on and this stuff changes so fast. So we share them as we're putting the film itself together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you've missed any of these previous episodes that we have released that Mark was just talking about, you can be sure to visit the website, fearlessfeatures.org, where you can search the archives and learn and listen at your own pace, because there's a lot to cover. I mean, we're We've been releasing these since last fall. Yeah, there's so much material that we, about what, three months, three or four months ago, we doubled our pace of our podcast. Mm -hmm. We used to do once a week. Yeah. And now it's twice a week. Because there's so much material, you guys. So and every, much stuff. everybody needs to know these things. I mean, we had no idea. Let's, let's just be honest. Mark and Amber had zero idea these things were even happening, this, that these things were happening to our children in the school system. So, if you want to get caught up, it's a great place, fearlessfeatures.org, and just go to podcast and you can go back through and search the ar archives. And it's also a great place where you can make a one-time or monthly donation to this important project, because this is how this film is getting done. It's individual donations, crowdfunded. That's the only way a film like this will get done, because guess what? Hollywood and everybody else doesn't want films like this made. It's very true. And and just as a, I can just point out that we obviously, we don't charge for the material that we release. Mm -mm. You know, the, these podcasts, there's, there, there's, we don't sell advertising on it. We don't, uh, we don't charge for them. Apple has a way now that you can charge people to listen to your podcasts. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. We're not interested in that because this is. The truth is free. The truth is free. And uh, so. Uh, we have been following the Lord's call. We have been on the road and the Lord has provided as we have gone along. But these things aren't free uh, for us to to produce. It costs us um, money and time to go. And, you know, we've gone to the East Coast. We've gone out West. We've <laughs> gone South. We've uh -huh. been to Texas, Nebraska. Arizona, Florida, Florida, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky. Yeah. And these are all these these are all travel expenses and production expenses. And that's why we need help, because uh, like Amber said, nobody in Hollywood is interested in funding something like this because they have too much riding on all the rest of their catalog. Right. And they don't want something controversial in their catalog. Right. So today we've pulled a conversation we had with Monica Klein from It Takes a Family in Texas. She's going to share what she learned as a former Planned Parenthood sex educator about what children really desire. And she's going to share how she came to that conclusion after she rejected the method she was supposed to be teaching to young children at a conference put on by Planned Parenthood. Um, she's also going to walk us through how the CDC guidelines for your child or your children plays right into these perversions. And it's called whole school, whole community, whole child. So, <laughs> And who doesn't trust the CDC these days to tell us what's best for us? Oh, my goodness. Especially how we should raise our children. Right. So without further ado, let's listen in with our conversation with Monica Klein. So when I was a Title X training manager... Um, Planned Parenthood uh, invited me two years in a row to attend their sex ed conference in Waco, Texas. 
Now in Texas, this was probably one of the largest sex ed conferences in the whole state. They would literally rent out the convention center in Waco and they would teach children about sex from grades in middle school all the way through high school. So they had classrooms in this conference center for, you know, divided by age. And, and they invited the best of the best of sex educators from all over the nation to come and teach each of those classes all in one day. And so for two years in a row, I went to this. This was when I was towards the, towards the end of my career when I decided to quit. So I had changed quite a bit. My philosophy had changed. And that first year that I went to this sex ed conference to teach middle schoolers, and these, the, the girls that we were working with were just entering the sixth grade. So they're just getting, you know, going through puberty. And uh, that first, and I was in charge of healthy relationships. And so when I say in charge of, it was, there was three educators to our group and they were all women that worked in my office at Center for Health Training. And one of them was a nurse. And so she was going to talk about anatomy and menstruation. Another one was the head of the STD training for the state of Texas. So she was going to show them, uh, she was going to talk about STDs, but she was also showing them a video of teenagers who have had sex. Uh, the opening scene actually is teenagers. Um, you can tell that they just had sex in bed. So the opening scene is, is actually them in bed together. And then the rest of the video is basically saying, well, I've been with multiple partners and guess what? I have an STD. Now we have to tell all our different sexual partners and how do we get to the clinic? And I mean, it was just very, um, young people going through this. And so it really gave the girls this idea that this was what life was going to be like from now on. My portion was healthy relationships. And so the girls would rotate in small groups to each of our sections in this classroom. And we were sitting crisscross applesauce, kind of campfire. That was our theme. We we're like at a camp together. And healthy relationships was really talking about you know, domestic violence or when you start dating and really healthy relationships with comprehensive sex education doesn't just talk about that, but it also talks about your ability to communicate about sex and how to negotiate the use of condoms. I'll admit at that time of my life, things had changed so much in the way I believed. And I had a son at that time as well, that I was very convicted by the end of that conference. I I did not like what we were teaching. I realized that this was not helpful to the young girls and it really, really upset me. And I left there feeling very convicted about being part of that. But I didn't do anything about it. I'll have to admit, I didn't do anything about it. The next year came around, summertime, Planned Parenthood once again, we want you to come and teach. I was gonna say no. And then I decided, what if I go and teach healthy relationships but my way. Now, they didn't know I was going to do this. And so I started my class, my little small group course with these little girls. And we talked about that they were about to enter middle school. And, you know, I can't go through every single detail, but I, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, give you a little uh, example of what, what we did. And so I said, all right, guys, y'all are about to go into middle school. And they're like, yeah, they're all really cute and excited. Like, yeah, we're start middle school, you know, kind of, we we're going to have lockers, at least back then they had lockers and things like that. And uh, I said, you know, and so I'm wondering, you know, so many things are changing right now. You just went to your anatomy course. You learned about your bodies and menstruation. So many things are changing. But another thing that's changing is that 
you might be interested in boys now, you know, you look at them differently and they kind of giggled and blushed a little bit. I said, okay. I said, well, we're going to talk about healthy relationships and friendships. And they're like, all right. And I said, so I want you to imagine in your mind, your best friend, like this is a person that no matter what happens, this person always has your back. And I made it funny. I said, you know, if you toot, they don't make fun of you. They laugh with you, whatever. It's okay. If something terrible happens to you, they're there with you and they they're, they're, they comfort you during difficult times. If you accidentally fall somewhere and you're embarrassed, they don't make fun of you, they help you out. You know, do you know who I'm talking about? Do you have that person in your mind? They're like, yeah, yeah, I can think of that person. I'm like, great. I said, okay, now let's talk about boys again. And they're like, okay. I said, have you thought about that if when you decide you want to start dating, what that boy should be like? And they're like, well, you know, we want him to be cute and maybe he could be athletic. And, and to be honest, they really didn't have a whole lot of answers. They really struggled with what a boy that they wanted to date should look like, what his characteristics should be like. And it was really superficial. He had to be cute, you know, things like that. I said, well, have you ever considered maybe he should be a lot like that best friend that's, that you have in mind, that he treats you with respect, that he doesn't make fun of you, that he has your back. If someone tries to embarrass you, he's there for you. Like he treats you really well. And they're like, yeah, you know, so they started really engaging in that. And they're like, yeah, he should be that kind of person. I said, okay, that, that's good. I said, all right, let's talk about something else now. What do you want to be when you grow up? And so they started telling me what they wanted to be when they grew up, if they wanted to go to college or not. Um, one said she wanted to be a professional dancer, a ballerina. Uh, she was in ballet since she was little. Another one said she wanted to be a professional volleyball player. I was surprised that they were very specific about what they wanted to do. And another little girl said, I want to be a nurse. I want to be, go in the medical field and, and help my family. When I become a nurse, I can help my family. Like, that is wonderful. Great. I said, well, we've been talking about relationships and boys and dating. And now you've told me what your dreams are, what you want to become. Tell me, what would keep you from achieving your dreams? What do you think might become an obstacle? And because we had talked about relationships, they're like, well, if we date someone who hurts us, you know, someone who abuses us, and they shared stories about older sisters or aunts who had been through that. And finally, one of the little girls said, well, if we become pregnant, we might not be able to do those things. And she was hesitant about saying it. And I said, yeah, tell me more about that. And they're like, well, if we get pregnant, we, not, we may have, you know, if we have to take care of our baby, we can't go to school or we can't do these things. I said, you're right. I said, so what do you think you should do about that? And they're like, well, well, maybe, you know, we make sure we date the right kind of person. I'm like, okay, well, tell me more. And so I was just really asking them with open-ended questions, you tell me what you think you need to do. Finally, one little girl said, not have sex. She wasn't sure if she should say it. So she kind of asked it in a question. I said, well, tell me more about that. She's like, well, if we don't have sex, we don't have to worry about getting pregnant and we don't have to worry about getting diseases. And then we could do the things that we want to do. I said, okay, well, tell me more about that. And they're like, well, that sounds like a good idea. And then one little girl stood up, put her hands on her hips and she said, wait a minute, do you want us to have sex or not? She knew, once again, these kids are smart. She knew why she was at that sex ed conference. The message was clear when she got dropped off that the expectation is that she should become sexually active solely because she was getting older. And here she was in part of a small group 
that they themselves are answering their own questions about how they could achieve their dreams and have healthy relationships. And it was to avoid having sex, to avoid the consequences that occur with childhood sex. And so she was wondering, if I'm here and you're giving me this other message, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So she asked, do you want us to have sex or not? And I said, if it were up to me and only me, my advice to you is don't have sex while you're young. You know, don't have sex when you're a kid. I said, I want you to have healthy relationships and I want you to become the nurse, the ballerina and the volleyball player. And you can save sex for marriage. You can save sex for a time when you truly are ready. Achieve your dreams first. And at that moment, I was surprised to see these little girls' shoulders drop and relax, and they smiled. And they seemed secure all of a sudden. Now, what really broke my heart was that they were now going to leave my group and go to the next group. And they were about to watch a video of two teenage kids getting out of bed because they just had sex and deal with disease. But we had already talked about ways that they could avoid that situation, which is just to avoid sex in childhood and, and achieve their dreams instead. It was the children who truly showed me how important it is for them to maintain their innocence. And they are seeking for their parents to be those leaders in their lives. And for children who don't have parents who are leading in their lives, as adults, we should be giving them the message that they can continue to just be children, to enjoy childhood, and to really focus on what they want to achieve and have great friendships. But they don't have, just because you go through puberty does not mean you have to be sexually active. Now, many people in comprehensive sex education are going to say, you're judging these kids by not allowing, and you're basically saying that sex is bad. Sex is not bad. Absolutely not. When my son started going through puberty and he started to ask me questions because we had a good relationship, he came in and asked me some questions about changes in his body. And the first thing I told him was, first of all, I want you to know what's happening to you is absolutely normal. And congratulations, you are developing exactly as God designed you to develop. I said, so you're going to have new thoughts. You're going to notice girls now. Your body's going to change. You're going to have different feelings and all those things are normal. And anytime you're confused, do exactly what you're doing right now. Come and ask me questions. And I said, now, when you go to school and you meet other friends or other adults might tell you, give you a completely different message than I'm giving you. But I want you to know that as your mother, you know that I've always given you the truth. I've always loved you. I've always taken care of you really well. I never lie to you and I never will. I said, I will never leave you and I will never lie to you. And I always have the best in, in mind for you. Mm -hmm. So when you hear these other messages, I want you to come and ask me about them and we can talk about them. And he agreed and he did that. And so there was no shame. It was all about celebrating his developing body and moving forward into childhood and into young adulthood. I think if I were to really create a synopsis of what is happening with comprehensive sex education and not just comprehensive sex education, because as we know today, comprehensive sex education is not just about sex anymore, but they're also teaching our children to question their gender. They're redefining gender. They're saying that gender is no longer binary. 
Um, they want children to explore that they could, that they, that really gender is fluid, just like sexual orientation, they say is fluid. Um, what we're seeing is that they don't want to talk about heterosexuality being normal anymore. So instead of using the term heterosexual, they use the word heteronormative, which is a way to basically demonize and say, uh, a heteronormative obviously is heterosexual and normal being put together. But, be, but what they're saying is children please don't be heteronormative. Don't assume that heterosexuality is normal because really sexual orientation is fluid. So you could be bi, you could be homosexual, you could uh, be pansexual. And then of course they create all kinds of new gender identities and sexual orientation labels as well. And so really what we're seeing is that the goal is, is to redefine all of the things that we know are biological and even moral absolutes. They want everything to be relative. And so this is really a practice, a secular practice of relativism. And so when we, uh, and, and really the biggest proponents of that kind of agenda to secularize the world, we see in socialism and communism. And what we see in socialism and communism is to end pri anything that is private, no private business, no private property, and no private family. Children don't really belong to their parents. Hence, parents are a barrier to service. And we're seeing this pervasive around the world, but in our country specifically. And so really to see this in action and to see a program even, mm -hmm. is you can go to the CDC and look up a program that they have called Whole Child, Whole School, Whole Health, or Whole Community, something like that. And they have a virtual school so that you can see what this would look like. And what it is, is that they have school-based health centers and they want to have dental care in the school. They want a general practitioner in the school. They want a family planning practitioner in the school. So they're gonna give your children birth control and all of that. Uh, because of the transgender movement, that would include uh, providing uh, hormone replacement therapies as well. They have mental health in the school. And so they're also calling for extended school hours. So they want your children to go to school earlier and come home later in the evening. So in other words, it is the complete systematic institutionalization of your children in this CDC program. And parents are loving it. They're loving it because, well, now I don't have to get off of work to send my kid to the doctor because they can do it while they're in the school and they give them free meals. And, oh, this issue that we have with depression and suicide, well, now they can get counseling at the school because there's mental health providers there. Well, I'm really worried that my child might become sexually active. Well, no problem. The school is providing them with condoms and birth control. And so we're seeing that what we, on, on one hand, when we're not really being vigilant, we're literally giving over our children into the hands of the state in these programs that seem to be helpful, but truly are ending the privatization of family and destroying family. And so what's the solution? Because, because really, the, what their agenda is, is that the number one obstacle, the number one obstacle to being able to institutionalize children is the parent and the private family. 
So parents, this is why it takes a family exists. Mm -hmm. Parents are powerful. Parents need to become educated and parents need to be bold and become leaders in their home and in public policy to make this stop. And what is it, what is part of the solution? That we need to get back to what we know are moral and biological absolutes. This agenda wants to redefine male and female. This agenda wants to redefine marriage between a husband and a wife. This agenda wants to redefine what family looks like and the role of parents and what children learn. And so what they're really doing is that they're trying to redefine God's creation of humanity and family. They're redefining his creation of male and female, as we see in Genesis. They're redefining his creation of family, a husband between a man and a woman and the parent's role and, a, and the role of children underneath the parents. And so what we need to be doing is getting back to our absolute truths and to absolute morality, the truths that we find in the Bible. Um, and, and we're seeing that this is slowly and maybe even today rapidly being destroyed in our country and all over the world in the name of convenience. Well, we hear that theme a lot in the name of convenience. In fact, Ken Ham talked about this, that abortion is today's version of child sacrifice on the altar of self. Mm -hmm. Self, I need to not be bothered by this. I need to live my life. This is an inconvenience to the plans that I have for me. Um, and this just all plays right into it. And it's amazing that we interviewed Monica months ago mm -hmm. before we ever talked to Ken Ham, yet they're talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and incidentally, they're also talking about the same thing as someone else that we've talked about on this podcast, Dr. Francis Schaefer, mm -hmm. relativism, moral relativism, that, absolutes. that there's no absolutes anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. We've, I mean. This we 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 live in this world that has gone so completely off the rails, where the the moral relativism has become insanity, where it's now they're trying to codify it into law mm -hmm. that there's no absolutes, right. and it's <laughs> and as Christians, what can we do? We have to take a stand. And if you're like us and you hear these things in the news and it drives you crazy and it keeps you up at night and you pray about it and you feel like you're beating your head against the wall and going, what can I possibly do about it? Well, one thing that you can do about it if you're listening to this podcast is you can help us to tell this story because as Craig Sawyer said, the best antiseptic is bright sunlight. Mm -hmm. And when you show up and you start exposing these things, these cockroaches go a scrambling. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. In fact, we've talked about when we have gone in with a camera to these legislative sessions to document these testimonies, mm -hmm. the viciousness that starts to be directed at us, they mm -hmm. do not want you in there with a camera. Mm -hmm. They do not want you in there with a camera. Because in they fact, know. we get told that we can't, right. and whatever you've documented, you can't use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, our entertainment attorney has told us otherwise. <laughs> so we have we have documented these these people, you know, fully exposing themselves, and uh, that's what you can do to help us. 
is to help us get this film mm -hmm. completed and out. We have already started on it mm -hmm. and it is powerful. And it's not because of Mark and Amber. It's because this is a story that the Lord sent us to, to tell. And what you can do is you can help us and you can share these podcasts and tell others about this film because when it comes out, it is going to be powerful. And as we said in the beginning, you guys become a force multiplier for truth and change when you partner with us through our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. So we are right now crowdfunding for the completion of this new film. We are looking for 5,000 people willing to give $25 so parents all across the nation will be equipped and know what's happening in their kids' classrooms. So if you want to give, you can give online at fearlessfeatures.org. You can also text the word classrooms, that's with an S on the end, to 27777 to make a donation of any amount. Every dollar goes to the completion of this new documentary film, The Mind Polluters. So please share this episode with your friends, family, coworkers, anyone who has children in the government school system. Let's protect the most vulnerable and targeted among us. It's the children. Also, you want to make sure to come back for Thursday's episode when we learn more from another former sex educator, Audrey Werner. Because we used to protect children. It used to be against the law to even mention the words uh, sexual intercourse in a classroom. It was considered molesting a minor uh, with immoral intent up to the age of 21. That's how much we protected the moral innocence of our kids. Thank you guys for sticking around to the end. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to check out the website, fearlessfeatures.org, and we will talk to you again on Thursday. Have a wonderfully blessed day.